Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Design Driven Life, where we hope to inspire you to shift your mindset and create the world that you want to live in. Hi, I'm Wendy Yates, and today my guest is Dr. Gavin Armstrong. Gavin Armstrong is a committed impact entrepreneur, and he was lovely. I could feel his extreme knowledge and his intention behind his impact company, and I just really enjoyed this conversation. He is currently serving as the founder and president of Lucky Ironfish, a social enterprise attempting to alleviate iron deficiency around the world using simple health innovation. Through this role, he was awarded the prestigious Forbes 30 Under 30 in the social entrepreneur category in 2016. A long-term advocate and activist against hunger and malnutrition, Gavin is the first Canadian to receive the William J. Clinton Award for international work against hunger and is the inaugural recipient of the International Michelle Jean Emergency Hunger Relief Award. His work with the Lucky Iron Fish has led to multiple awards and recognition for both himself and the project. He is a Fulbright Scholar and was named Business Leader of the Year by the Canadian Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce and Social Entrepreneur of the Year by EY Canada. Welcome, Gavin, to The Design Driven Life, and we'll just go ahead and get started, and I think Jumping right in, I'd love to just get a little bit about your background, who you are, and how you developed your purpose and where you're headed today. Yeah, so I'm, uh, my name's Gavin. So I'm the founder and CEO of Lucky Ironfish Enterprise, a social enterprise dedicated to reducing iron deficiency rates around the world. Uh, iron deficiency is the world's most common nutritional challenge. It negatively impacts the lives of 2 billion people around the planet, mainly women and children. I got started in this uh, in university. I was actually very in, uh, involved in hunger-related issues. Um, I had signed our university up to be a part of a network called Universities Fighting World Hunger. Um, and through some volunteer opportunities, I actually found myself uh, in uh, volunteering in a refugee camp in northern Kenya in Dadaab. Um, and it was there that I learned uh, not only about the plight of world hunger, but of this concept of hidden hunger, uh, which is malnutrition. Um, and that about 800 million people were, were going to bed hungry every night, but billions were going to bed mal uh, malnourished. Uh, and the largest form of hidden hunger was iron deficiency. So when I went back to university, I decided to do a PhD on this issue, um, moved to Cambodia and met someone named Christopher Charles, who was doing research on cooking with iron to fortify meals um, and did some research on the concept of the lucky iron fish. And then when I, which is a cooking tool <clears throat> that when you boil for 10 minutes, will fortify your meal with six to eight milligrams uh, of iron. Um, saw that it was really effective and then uh, finished my PhD, commercialized the product. And uh, here we are today. Awesome. Amazing. So tell us a little bit more about exactly how does the lucky iron fish product work? Yeah, so it's just a really simple cooking tool that just needs to be boiled for 10 minutes uh, in one liter of slightly acidified liquid. So that could just be drinking water. You could put it in soup, stew, curry. You can use it in water when you're making grains. And just boiling it for 10 minutes will um, provide six to eight milligrams of bioavailable iron. So that's iron that your body will absorb. And so it's a way of naturally fortifying the food that you're cooking at home and topping up the iron that, that you need every day. 
Uh, that doesn't cause any negative side effects when you use it. And it can be reused every day for up to five years. So it's a one-time purchase for half a decade, making it you know, incredibly affordable and sustainable. I love it. Amazing. And so with your mission and uh, solving sort of the malnutrition in the billions of people you mentioned, what has been the process for you to get this product out to those, those areas? Yeah, when I started the company, I, I thought that we would just be focused in Cambodia. And so I was developing a plan to do distribution uh, there. Um, and we ended up hitting a few barriers. Um, we're still trying to understand uh, how we could fit our, our, our product into a national strategy for, uh, for alleviating iron deficiency. Um, but at the same time, I was speaking at conferences around the world about uh, the research. And I'd have a massive line of people after every, every time I spoke saying, I have iron deficiency. I don't like the products I'm taking now. Can I buy one for myself? Uh, and that's when I realized that there was a global opportunity to sell this product. So I pivoted the business model a little bit um, and moved to e-commerce. And so now we sell the product online at our website at luckyironfish.com, um, where you can get one for yourself. But if you, if you do buy one for yourself, we take a portion of that sale and we put it towards donating units for free to families in need around the world. But we also do large volume sales to uh, international NGOs. And so we are also looking to have our product be included in uh, fortification and supplementation strategies uh, in, in, in different countries. We have work in India, Peru, uh, Tanzania, Benin, all over the place. And so um, we have these, this consumer model, but we also have this NGO model as well. Thank you for sharing that. Um, one of the things that I love too about some of the questions that you previously um, answered is the business as a force for good, because that's at the core of our company, all of our company cultures. And I'm actually part of a, um, a group that's called GeForce, that is businesses that are a force for good. So um, educating and sharing that you can be profitable, do good and do well at the same time. So I'd love to hear how that um, business is a force for good, what that means to you and how others can implement that into what they're doing. Yeah, well, I believe that businesses have uh, the tools and resources uh, and, and therefore an obligation to solve some of the world's most pressing challenges. Um, and, and so I'm using Lucky Iron Fish uh, as an example of that. Um, so we have impact embedded throughout our business. And so it's not just the product we have that is helping improve lives, but it's how we get that product out there. Um, so we're a registered B Corporation or a benefit corporation, um, which is an international certification for, for companies that are committed to doing good. And it actually is, um, it's, it holds us accountable. So we're actually audited uh, every two years to make sure that we're doing the things that we say we're doing. Um, and, and I think there's a, a misconception that uh, profit and impact are the conflict. Um, and actually, I, I would disagree. I think that um, consumers now are looking for products that are impactful. They're making much more conscious decisions about what they're buying, wanting to make sure it's not having a negative impact on the planet. And when you look at uh, even some major companies, you find that their um, impact brands are actually outperforming their more traditional brands and products. Um, and so I believe that um, you, there's, a, there's a moral imperative to have an impact organization, but there's also an economic argument to it as well. Yeah, I couldn't agree 100%. Um, and you said it so clearly and so easily. So um, I really appreciate that answer. And um, one of the things, too, when you're building um, a, a business for impact and for profit, I think that some people might not really understand like what 
the mindset or where to get started with that is. And so I always like to just talk about if you stay focused on your purpose um, and you're driven to that, you can overcome any obstacle to get there, but that does take a type of mindset. And so I'd love to hear, you know, for me, it's, it varies from different points, pivot points in my life, you know, how I shift my mindset or my perspective to continue on that um, purpose-driven path to do well and do good at the same time. And so can you share a little bit about how you stay focused on your purpose? And um, I know you talk a little bit about the power of one in your answer. So I'd, I'd love for you to share more about that. Yeah, well, I think focus is really important. Uh, I mean, our, our planet is facing an incredible amount of, of some really daunting challenges. And so it's very easy to feel overwhelmed. Uh, and you might find yourself asking, I'm one person, how can I make a difference? Uh, and so just, to, you know, as you mentioned, I am a major believer in the power of one. Uh, one person has the ability to take action and that action can have a ripple effect that will make substantial change. Um, so I don't think you should try and solve all of the world problems at once. Um, focus on uh, what's in front of you. What do you have the power uh, to make change with? Um, and remember that those actions matter. And, you know, example is with world hunger. Um, when I was at university, obviously my goal wasn't to just make 800, find food for 800 million people every day. Um, but I, I had the ability to organize an event, like a conference. And so we brought together student leaders from across uh, North America and, and we learned about the issues of world hunger. And then at the end of the conference, I asked everyone to make one commitment. So what were they going to do in that year that was going to help make a pos positive change towards ending world hunger? So my commitment was organizing the event and then everyone uh, made their individual commitments and then reconvened a year later and, and provided updates on what they were doing. And so it was a way of having that ripple effect to have multiple people make change uh, which will ultimately uh, achieve the goal. Yeah, that's awesome. I think uh, I think that's the perfect uh, point is that you don't have to do everything. You don't have to try to feed all those people at one time, but start with something that you can do and the ripple effect sort of automatically just continues to go and go and go as long as you kind of uh, invite other people to be part of your vision and your mission. And um, I think that's a great um, example and advice for others to start in causes that um, they might feel passionate about or want to have part of being changed for. I see that um, you also have kind of a partner with us opportunity. Can you tell how people can partner with you? Yeah, well, one thing we found is that when, when people hear the story of Lucky Iron Fish, um, they want to get involved in some way. So sometimes it's just buying a product either to use it for themselves or just because of that impact component where we help donate units for free. Um, but sometimes people want to do a little bit more. And so um, if you're involved in an organization that does work in, um, uh, in health or nutrition, uh, whether you're a small or a large organization, uh, we have programs uh, where you can either you know, purchase products or um, if, if eligible, receive some of those free units. And so we are always looking for new partners to help expand uh, our impact. Um, but we've had some really incredible stories like students who have run um, like lemonade sales at their school. And that's, we purchased, um, purchased units for uh, specific NGOs or, or charitable causes. Um, we've had like mom groups on Facebook who help share the, the word and, and want to um, get the product out there to more people. So um, we're really just open to, <laughs> if, if you have an idea um, <laughs> and if you want to work with us um, on finding ways to get, get fish or leaves out there, um, then, you know, we'd love to hear from you. I also noticed the community-based programming and, and I know you're focused on the 
um, malnutrition, the deficiency in iron. But are there other initiatives that you're adding to Lucky Ironfish? Yeah, so it's, it's a great question. It's one I've been asking myself for the past few years is as the fish becomes more and more successful and sustainable, um, what's next? Uh, and is it looking at other uh, nutritional deficiencies uh, or is it something else? And I actually believe that over the years, um, we've become experts in, in iron deficiency and the problem of iron deficiency is incredibly complex. And so I would like uh, Lucky Iron Fish Enterprise or LIFE as the acronym is uh, to be the leaders in all things iron deficiency. So that's providing multiple innovations that are simple and affordable uh, to help treat and prevent the problem. Uh, looking at ways of doing research to better understand iron deficiency because our understanding of the issue is constantly evolving. And then looking at diagnostic opportunities as well. Uh, a lot of experts think that iron deficiency is significantly underdiagnosed. And so are there simple tools uh, that we could be providing to help people uh, know their iron status? So instead of looking at sort of branching out and doing other things in nutrition, I really wanna focus on the, the massive problem of iron deficiency and look at different ways that we can help tackle and solve the problem. Um, I was going to actually ask, are there any tools out there that people or symptoms that they could notice that separates iron deficiency from other symptoms so that people can know, you know, what's kind of the first step in determining if they have an iron deficiency and what are the effects of long-term iron deficiency? Like, is there a certain amount of years that could cause, like if you're iron deficient for five years, that could cause a set of other health problems or tell me a little bit more. I know you just talked about how that would be your goal to help people find out their iron deficiency levels, but, and you know, what, what are some of the effects of that with the maltrition over a long period of time? So the, the most common signs and symptoms of iron deficiency would be fatigue, headaches, dizziness, um, hair loss, brittle nails. And, um, and so when you, when people wonder if they're iron deficient, I mean, if I said, um, to, to someone in you know, downtown Toronto in February, are you tired and do you have headaches and pale skin? And that's like everybody. Um, so a lot of people just feel that they're overworked and they're tired. And so they don't necessarily go to a doctor to get a blood test, which is the most common way of diagnosing iron deficiency right now. Um, but uh, when, you, when you're anemic, which is chronic when you're iron deficient, um, severely iron deficient over a longer period of time, um, it can actually be much more serious. Um, they estimate that about 40% of maternal deaths are, are due to iron deficiency. In children, it significantly reduces your uh, cognitive development. It can make you more susceptible to other diseases. It can impact your immune system. Um, and so it, it actually is quite a serious uh, issue. And uh, research has also been done on the economic impact of iron deficiency for your productivity. Um, and so it actually Im uh, impacts your household income level uh, and it impacts a country's GDP. Um, so it actually is, it's a serious health and economic issue. And we need to be, uh, we need to provide more resources and access to people to understand if they are in fact iron deficient because then they can seek treatment. Um, right now, I mean, iron deficiency um, is, is really serious uh, among pregnant women. And so if you are pregnant, you typically get a blood test to look at your iron levels and monitor your iron levels. Um, but we need to be thinking about uh, women who are not pregnant and looking at and, and um, finding ways of just tracking their iron status as well. Um, great. Thank you so much. That's super comprehensive. And I think that you are 100% correct. Like I was anemic for a while when I was pregnant and, um, and even earlier 
in my life, but I didn't really, it wasn't something that was really taken seriously when I was younger. It was just, you know, like, um, it was just a supplement that was provided. And then it was never even really like, come back and let's check on you. It's just like, oh, this isn't that big of a deal. So, um, it's, it's incredible that you're bringing so much research and knowledge to light into the public. So I'd love to hear a little bit about, I know you talked about what motivated you to create the Lucky Ironfish, the product itself, but from an entrepreneurial side, what was kind of the process to get to a product like that? Because it feels to me like something so unique. And when I look at it, it looks super innovative, but also super simple at the same time. So from that standpoint of um, the entrepreneurial side of developing a product um, that changes lives, like literally changes the lives and health of a society. Um, can you share a little bit about what your journey was and in, in getting that product from um, the concept to market? Yeah, well, uh, I mentioned uh, Christopher Charles and he was doing work on um, adding adding iron into to food and, and looking at basically a block of iron. Uh, and it was discovered that it was, it was scientifically effective to cook with that block of iron to fortify the food. Um, but women in Cambodia were saying that looks like a piece of garbage that you found on the side of the road. I have, I have zero interest in putting that in my meal. Um, but after some research, it was discovered that a symbol of a fish is a symbol of luck in Cambodian culture. So shaping the block of iron like a fish uh, made women want to cook with it because they thought it would make them lucky. And then when they felt healthier from the uh, from the iron being added to their meals, they would say, oh, it was the luck of the fish uh, that did that. Um, and so they would tell their neighbors and their friends, you know, use this product that actually works. Um, so that's where the name Lucky Iron Fish comes from. Um, as, I, as I scaled the company, the symbol of a fish seemed to work in most countries uh, outside of Cambodia. Um, it has significance in culture or religion. Or, I mean, it just makes sense to eat fish or cook with fish. Um, but we hit uh, a major barrier when we uh, expanded into India uh, with a major vegetarian population. Women in India were really hesitant to use the iron fish, even though it is a vegan certified product that you know, looks like a fish. And so there was that uh, disconnect. Um, so it took the same approach that uh, was done with the fish shape and actually developed the lucky Shakti leaf. And so it's a leaf shape uh, that we use in India, um, does the exact same thing. Um, it just is more appealing uh, to people who follow a, a vegetarian diet. Uh, the design of the product, it, it sounds simple, but there's actually a lot of complexities in it. Uh, the, the way it's shaped and its surface area um, is what um, allows the consistent amount of iron to be released and making sure it's a safe amount of iron that's released. When it's boiled in the pot, it actually rattles, which has iron come off both sides. And it's made from a special type of iron called electrolytic iron, uh, which is used in food fortification. It's not like you could just find scrap iron on, on the side of the road and use it. That wouldn't be safe. Um, and so we put a lot of, of detail into the design and, and the manufacturing of these products. Um, and even though this, the use is really simple, the design is quite complex. And so it's really important as we scaled the business um, that we were still maintaining these high levels of safety, of quality control, um, and still making sure that people were using it. And so we're constantly asking customers um, about the shape. One, one kind of story was the original product in Cambodia had a Khmer uh, word uh, all on it, which meant good. So people were calling it the good fish. But when we use that same product in other countries, uh, people thought it looked like a snake. 
And so they didn't want to use it because snakes can have some like bad omens in, in various countries. So we actually swapped out the word and put a maple leaf on it. So if you know, it's sort of this Canadian health innovation. Um, but it was just one example that we are still constantly evolving the product and, and listening to customers and making sure that it's still um, you know, applicable for them. I think it's really interesting how, how much people get focused on on things like that and just in their different societies and their cultures. And um, I think it's really important to point out that really understanding those types of things makes it so much easier to educate the people in that community when you're providing something that fits with sort of their mindset on, like you said, the snake or the vegetarian mindset. And that's something that, that I think a lot of people miss when they're just trying to help out is really understanding, you know, learning, what different differentiates those cultures and why they think the way they do. And, um, so innovative to be able to just, uh, adapt to those different cultures and environments and allow them to, um, get that equity of education by changing up the product just slightly. So I think that's really incredible. Um, so I think you shared a lot about like kind of what you, your vision for the next steps of lucky Ironfish are, and you also shared how to get started with impact. And um, so I would love it if you just had anything else that you would like to share with regards to not just Lucky Ironfish, but um, overall, I know we touched on a little bit about being a force for good and where to get started, but what else would you want other new or people kind of wanting to do something similar in the world of helping to solve hunger? Like what else could what else would, what other advice would you give on an entrepreneurial level? Like I said before, it can be really daunting when you look at all these challenges. And so I know that a lot of people have um, the, the motivation and the desire to create social change, but don't know where to get started. Um, and so you could either look at, at creating your own thing, or there's, there are tons of great um, ideas out there that are looking for help. Um, and, and so if, if maybe, um, you know, being an entrepreneur isn't for you or being an innovator isn't for you, but you bring a different skill set, I mean, all of these organizations could definitely use support. And so um, if there's something that you're really passionate about, um, I, you know, scour the web and I'm sure you'll find, uh, find someone that, that's like you and trying to solve the same problem. Um, and so that, that's an opportunity where you could um, either volunteer or look to get um, more involved uh, professionally. Um, and also when you look at, at entrepreneurship, uh, Lucky Iron Fish is a great example of a product that's helping people and through its business model. But you can just make change through, through improving the business model itself. Um, I mean, when you, I always look at Ben and Jerry's, they're you know, a great company, they're ice cream, but how they're bringing the ice cream to market is done through a really responsible uh, and impactful way. And so don't think that the end product itself needs to be this completely life-changing idea. You can do, uh, you can make a lot of change through just the, the business model itself. Um, so there's lots of different ways that you can have innovation and social innovation um, and just look at how you want to apply yourselves and, and what you're passionate about. Uh, thank you. I love that explanation um, and incorporating the impact model. And I um, feel just so grateful to have met someone like you who has such a passion and is taking their passion um, and purpose and really implementing it into the world on a global scale. And so I just can't thank you enough for your time. Congratulations also on um, the different awards you've received in the social entrepreneur category. And I just know that you're going to continue to do amazing things and I can't wait to see what else comes next for you. Well, thank you very much. I, you know, I really appreciated the conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Have an amazing weekend. Thank you. You too. 
you can learn more about Lucky Ironfish at luckyironfish.com or at Gavin A9 on Twitter or at Lucky Ironfish on Twitter. Um, I think it's an incredible product. Um, I love the mission and I hope you'll go check it out. And if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe and like. Thank you for watch, listening, not watching, listening. Soon we will be watching The Design Driven Life in 2021. We will be on video. So in the meantime, thank you for listening to The Design Driven Life. I am thoroughly loving our platform for our podcast, Budsprout. So if you are considering, and you should, starting a podcast, it's so fun. It's a great way to connect with people. It's not hard when you have the right partners. If you're looking for a place to host your own podcast, join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get your message out to the world. Start for free and receive a $20 Amazon gift card when you sign up.